Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha. And Andy. And this week, we're talking about Sister Act. Sister Act is a comedy about a Nevada lounge singer named Dolores Van Cartier. She witnesses a murder by her boyfriend slash mod boss and is forced to go into hiding at a nun convent. This movie was released May 29th in 1992, the year I was born, and it made $231 million in the box office. Holy crap. It had a budget of 30, <laughs> $31 million. Damn it. My first words and I fucked it up. <laughs> You said holy crap. I said crow. I thought to say crap, but I switched it to cow. <laughs> the movie stars Whoopi Goldberg, the queen. I love her. Whoopi, I love you. <laughs> it Wait, also Did we do this podcast just so maybe one day Whoopi can hear how much you love her? Because now after Cinderella and this, we're... I know. We're only, what, 13 episodes in and you've already got double, you double down on Whoopi? I mean, does Cinderella count? She's only in like three scenes. Yeah, but she's like the queen. Uh, you just yes. called her the queen. I know, I know. All right, all right. All right. I got to... I interrupted your flow. I apologize. I apologize in advance because I really love Whoopi Goldberg and I'm going to be fangirling this entire <laughs> episode. Anyway, so starring Whoopi Goldberg, yes. Um, it also stars Maggie Smith. You might know her as Professor McGonagall. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I'm questioning everything I say. No, I'm sorry. Just go. That's so funny. Ugh. As Mother Superior, it also stars Harvey Keitel. You know him. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, I was going to say, you might know him from oh, <laughs> no. some other movies. And also, Kathy Najumi, who plays Sister Mary Patrick. Which one is she? She is the cheerful one. All right. The upbeat one. <laughs> uh, who likes to dance. Yes. Wendy McKenna, who plays Sister Mary Robert, the shy one. Oh, nice. And Bill Nunn. All right, I, I know Bill Nunn. I'm glad you did that because I could not remember the names of any characters in this movie except for Dolores. Yeah, there are a lot of them. So uh, I just use characteristics to remember them, even though right, we'll go into it. But that's, that's <laughs> always how I remember people in this movie. Yeah, I think this is the first movie I saw Bill Nunn in. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Like, I know him from Do the Right Thing. Yeah. I know he starred in another Spike Lee movie. He just seemed like... A really cool, down-to-earth guy. Like, yeah, yeah, you know he, how that shines through through an actor? Yeah, yeah. He was Somewhere. always around, but I, Do the Right Thing was probably the first time I, like, took super notice of him. Mm -hmm. But then I remember finding out he's in all three of those first Spider-Man movies, the ones with oh, Tobey yeah, Maguire. Oh, yeah, that's right. But he, like, never had, he never, like, did much. He always just kind of, like, worked at the newspaper. Yeah. Kind of, like, said a couple lines. Yeah. So, he's not, he wasn't that memorable, but I remember liking those movies and then seeing Do the Right Thing and then being like, is that guy? Right. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of this it's that guy i enjoy that <laughs> well anyway all-star cast this movie was a huge success it received two golden globe nominations one for best motion picture um for a musical or comedy i hate that combination i know <laughs> and uh one nomination for best actress for Whoopi, obviously Ooh. egot 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, this movie was successful. It got a sequel made the very next year. Like, I didn't realize how close the sequel was produced. Yeah, like, how <laughs> quickly they turned it out. Yeah. 
Nice. They made a musical adaptation of Sister Act that premiered in 2006. That we were supposed to see? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Andy got me tickets to see Sister Act at a theater in Long Island. Yeah. But because of coronavirus! Coronavirus! It got canceled. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we wouldn't have gone if they didn't cancel it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I I still wish, like, I don't even know if the theater's going to be there anymore, but... Yeah. I still want to see it. So if it was safe, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So you know how I'm how I'm very like wishful thinking and optimistic. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so there was a time where I had showed you that Whoopi Goldberg was going to perform in the musical version in London. Uh-huh. And at the back of my I knew this was never gonna happen, oh. but I was like Maybe he'll surprise me with tickets to London. Uh, oh, you put a lot on me right on the air. That's, that's tough. That's tough. No, I just uh, had like that funny like, maybe, uh, you never know. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, so wishful. Confirmed yeah. that that would never happen. Throwing it on the show like that. Like, it's like... I mean, you're the one who responded like that. You, know you could have been like... You know how I wanted that, that sweet new bike with the, with the big fat tires, you know? <laughs> just the back of my mind. I thought maybe one day... I nah, mean, you I'm, never I'm know. I'm just kidding. See what I did there? Onward with the show. Okay. All right. You never know. Maybe we'll people come back to London and okay. coronavirus will go away. Sure. Okay. And also, so I just learned this. Apparently in 2018, it was confirmed that two people were tapped to write the script for Sister Act 3. Oh... Which would be for Disney Plus. Oh, did they they announce that? This is what I found in my research. Uh, I don't know if, like, I should have dug into it more. I kind of didn't because I wanted to, like, have a fresh mind for my, our own beyond the credits. Yeah. But apparently that's a thing. I could see it. I know that Whoopi herself is very open to being in a Sister Act 3. Yeah. But she also stated that Disney will probably not go her route and want to do like someone younger or whatever. But if you're a true fan of the Sister Act franchise, like you'd want Whoopi in it. Yeah. And you could put <laughs> Whoopi in. They could do it. They've done that a thousand times where you just move the original character into like the older role. Like, yeah. Make her like a Maggie Smith who's like running a nunnery and they do like her old school jams. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like a new nun comes in. Yeah. Who like does mumble rap, hip hop, uh, gospel music, <laughs> and they're like, you know, Jesus oh will save God. you, you know, <laughs> mumble rap, gospel music. Can we make this a thing? Uh, and then she's like, no, that's not how we celebrate God. And then they were like, I'm just like you, but with new music. I don't know. It's, it'll be cheesy, but they could do yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just saying, you can have, you can still have a young person like star in it and still have Whoopi be a big part of it. Totally. You know, like Creed. You know, you got Michael B. Jordan, but Rocky's bouncing around, getting cancer and reading newspapers. Absolutely. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty much the route of what he does in those movies. That's funny. <laughs> Before we get into everything... Andy, I want to know everything you thought about Sister Act before we watched it. Did you watch it before? What were your feelings towards it? I think we're on a lot of movies in a row where saw it once when I was young <laughs> and then never saw it again. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised that you saw it. Do you know, do you remember why or how? Yeah, this one I actually remember specifically. It was middle school, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. But it was the in in my school district in middle school was when you could choose to either take an instrument or sing in the choir or whatever. Oh. So you can either be like in band or chorus, they called it. Mm-hmm. And then if you couldn't do anything because you just didn't have a musical bone in your body like me, they just put you in what they called general music. 
Mm-hmm. And which is a hilarious name. Like they, we would just like sit in a room and like generally learn about music. Like you know, we'd we just kind of like talk about composers and I don't know stuff like that. Basically, to fulfill like music was being taught, but because we couldn't, none of us could play instruments <laughs> or sing, hold a note, or do anything. So <sighs> I was in general music, which was well, fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and we also watched a lot of music movies we watched a a lot more serious ones throughout the years but uh, i remember it was like one of those like towards the end of the year like last couple weeks and we pretty much finished what we had to do so the teacher was just popping movies on for us to watch and then she popped sister act on because she was like they're singing it's about people (laughs) coming together with music generally music Uh (laughs) so it just fit the requirements for general music wow and uh, we watched it, and then I remember being surprised because you know at first I just saw you know I was like I was like eleven, probably twelve, thirteen, mm-hmm. and I just probably would have never watched it. And then I remember being like, oh, this is actually pretty funny, and like didn't think it was pretty good. It wasn't too lame for your. <laughs> I only watch cool, dark Scorsese films. Well, no, because it had it had the my mental loophole of that I was being forced to watch it for school, so uh. I guess it's all right. <laughs> so yeah, I had a, I had an excuse for my my dumb reasoning, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it was funny. I always liked, I liked Whoopi too. I never, I never really, I was never like, fuck Whoopi for any reason. So she was good. And then when we met, I just remember you were like, I learned about your love for Whoopi pretty early. I don't remember exactly when, but (laughs) it just, it just oozed out there in one conversation. (laughs) And I knew you loved Sister Act. And uh, this is actually part of that two-part Blu-ray I got you a couple years ago for Christmas. Sister Act 1 and 2. Great gift. And, um... We would, uh, I feel like we we don't really do it anymore since we started the podcast, but we used to give each other the movie coupons for, yes. for birthdays and Christmas, <laughs> where you'd pretty much agree to watch a movie you'd normally never want to watch. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you you started it with Scream. It was a priceless gift. We would make our own, like, we would design our own coupons. They'll, yeah. like, put pictures of the movie, you know, that it would be a coupon for. Yeah. <laughs> to cash in. And so, yeah, I got you Bring It On with a coupon attached, and then Sister Act 1 and 2 <laughs> with a coupon. And then you cashed in for Sister Act 2, which, spoiler for the audience, is her favorite one out of the two. But I we'll, mean, we'll try to tone that down for this one. I feel like it's not a surprise for anyone my age uh, for Sister Act 2 to be their favorite. Yeah. I feel like we could talk a little bit about Sister Act 2 at the end. But uh, I know, I also, I'm not naive and I know that will be a full episode <laughs> in the future. So we, we can also tone it down. So yeah, we watched Sister Act 2 together. So that one was way more on my mind than this one. Mm-hmm. So I just, when we watched this one again, it was basically all fresh. Like, I, I way more remembered the second movie. <laughs> cool. And that's my history with Sister Act. That's a nice one. Yeah. So why I love this movie, like you said, I am a bigger fan of Sister Act 2. I watched that. I I don't even know how many times I watched Sister Act 2. Definitely more times than I've watched Sister Act 1. So I will say it's been a, quite a while. I've revisited the musical performances solo yeah but i haven't watched the full movie in a couple years oh yeah that's right up your alley yeah <laughs> youtube your favorite parts skip over any scary stuff that's there is no sc- scary i know stuff. i'm just saying like that's just that but it this movie actually doesn't have any parts that i would skip over Ooh. like it, it's actually like pretty solid there was for me no throughout. uh cheer up charlie <laughs> no that we all fast forward through. <laughs> but um, obviously, right off the bat, my number one reason is Whoopi Goldberg. She, without her in this movie, like, yes, it's a great cast, but she just really brings it all together. Oh, yeah. I never thought that I'd be one of those people who would love a celebrity so much. Like, I feel the love. Yeah. And if I ever met them, 
like I would like break down crying. <laughs> but I think that Whoopi is one of those people for me. It's wow. very strange. I've never, I don't understand what it is about her. She's a pioneer. She's so talented, but she's also just has this like level of realness that I'd love to have. Like, I just feel like she just knows who she is and she's proud of it. And, you know, it, maybe that part of that is her like being a comedian and as a comedian, you kind of have to know who you are <laughs> to like do your act, you yeah. know, like you have to, I don't know. I guess I just aspire to have that same realness as Whoopi does. Nice. So yeah, she's been able to tap into so many things going from comedy to drama and the co color purple, like to singing. She didn't even want to sing in this movie. I have so many like background facts oh, about like what cool. she did and didn't want to do in this movie, but just her as a person is she's so fantastic and i actually have a funny story about uh -huh. um so when i i was an nbc page and one of the awesome events that i got to work as a page was snl 40 the 40th anniversary I of SNL. I, wish, I, I wish we knew each other at the time i was so jealous <laughs> and so one of my jobs was you know the celebrities that were all coming to snl for the 40th anniversary would uh, walk a red carpet outside of 30 rock and then they'd come in and then there would be a coat check mm -hmm. and then we would send them up to studio 8h yeah so my job was to direct people to different coat checks. And the way they labeled the coat checks were like green coat check, yellow coat check, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But for some reason, I was near black coat check and uh -huh. white coat check. <laughs> and Whoopi comes in and I'm starstruck. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, but I'm trained as a page. So I'm just like acting normal on the outside, but I'm breaking down in the yeah, inside. Yeah. And she comes up to me and she's like, white coat check. Mm. <laughs> like <she was> like, <laughs> and that's like the only thing she said to me and i totally agreed with her because like coming in from a red carpet and all you see is white coat check yeah, yeah. in 2016 with black coat check like not that far <laughs> yeah. you should have been like it's not what you think it's not what you think it's yeah. totally normal but uh there's the white water fountain yeah. and the black water fountain if you <laughs> and the way she said it too she's like am i supposed to go to the black coat check? like she didn't know what she was supposed to do wait this one is the color copier isn't it that one this is the colored copier. That one is the color copier. So this is the black and white copier? That's the white copier. Look, I just need to make a colored copy. Well, go ahead and do it. Just don't use the colored copier. The white copier is better anyway. It makes colored copies. That would be fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, that was like just... Lord Michaels. They shouldn't have done it by color ski, uh, color or whatever. I mean, but whatever. or at least just make it like red, blue, fucking <laughs> green and purple. You know? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But yeah, that was my <laughs> fun story. But yeah, with Whoopi, I'd be willing to watch anything from Ghosts to that weird Jamaican movie by Nick Cannon on uh, YouTube that I made you watch. That was bad. <laughs> what the fuck was? Oh, King of the Dancehall. Yes. Ooh, it was so bad. That might be in a future episode of Love What Hate What I Hate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love What I Hate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, sorry. That was a lot about Whoopi. But other than that, I love the cast, the nunnery. I think, even though I'm not a religious person, I tend to really lean into like religious, spiritual type movies, it seems like so far. Yeah. I don't know. The music, obviously, the song's performance. I think the religious undertones, I just gravitate towards because it's all, at the end of the day, about being a good person and yeah. learning from other people. So, yeah, it's just a feel-good film. And the reason why I think you should love it, or 
would love it. <laughs> you should love it. <laughs> I don't. Can't... It's canceled. Shows it. Shows over. <laughs> Um, I feel like this is sort of like a Footloose kind of situation, and you love Footloose. I do enjoy me some Footloose. In terms of like, you know, Whoopi coming into this new environment, and she's like, I love to do this, and uh, Sister Superior is like, not in this house, you know? This rock and roll music has got to stop! Why? Because it's loud and rhythmic! And rhythm can lead to dancing. Rock and roll music preaches a gospel of easy sexuality and relaxed morality. And I will not endorse an enterprise which is as fraught with peril as I believe this one to be. So, you resent us for being young and living in a world full of carnal possibilities which you can't possibly enjoy. Yes! I can see it. It's, I'm trying to make it relatable. I know. I, I appreciate that. In other reasons, you know, it's just a feel-good movie. It's funny. You love comedy. <laughs> and the actor lineup comedy. is fantastic. Uh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Wow. Sorry, you know, is this foreshadowing? No, no, no. I don't. I feel like I, feel like I shouldn't even chime in. Do you agree with my points? Oh. <laughs> Are those good reasons? Yeah, in terms of trying to get this movie to be relatable to things I like, I think those are all pretty good choices. Mainly the comedy aspect of it all. It's mm-hmm. super fun. And like I said, I always enjoy Whoopi. And at the time, like she she had the star power to really just, you know, figurehead an entire movie. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. The music helps a lot, too, because I actually find it all really catchy and pretty fun. Ha, nice. So we'll get into it as we go into those. Oh, totally. Yeah. So this movie was directed by Emily Ardolino, who directed... who, And he's a director, choreographer, and producer responsible for directing Dirty Dancing. Oh, wow. Look at you. <laughs> Connecting is, your favorite movies. I can't believe it. If I did Andy Facts years ago, I would know all of this. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's sick. Have you didn't know that? I know. How do you not look up the directors of your favorite movies? I am doing it. I'm, we're doing it now. <laughs> yeah, because I knew I'd have a podcast, but I didn't want to. Why do it now if it's going to be later? <laughs> so he also directed Gypsy with Bette Midler, which I also love. Ooh, I've never seen that. Ooh. Mm. Okay. But sadly, he passed away in 93. Whoa. Um, of AIDS. He was Damn. an op- openly gay director also. So I just felt like in the 90s to be openly gay and like get, uh, you know, jobs, big jobs like this yeah. um, was pretty, pretty great. And he was only 50 years old. Yeah, Was this his last movie then? Because this was like, what, 91, 92? I believe this might have been his last movie. Yeah. Because this came out in 92, right? Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it had to have been. Yeah. Unless he like, yeah was working on another project but yeah he just i didn't see like everyone had great things to say about him and he just really loved he had an eye for music and dance movies like how to direct and film dance so i kind of wish he filmed the sways (laughs) i know i kind of wish he was able to stay alive to you know who knows what he would have brought into our lives so but anyway this movie was written by paul rednick who, interestingly, is not credited by his real name on this movie, and I can get into that. Ooh, I'm curious. Why? <laughs> All right. I guess I'll get into that right <laughs> now. So he's actually credited as Joseph Howard, ah. um, a pseudonym that he used 
So this movie was actually first created f- with the with Bette Midler in mind as the star. Ah. So Paul had written it for her to star in it, and it actually, you know, was kind of catered to her, and it was more of a musical. Mm-hmm. But it came to complications where Bette Midler was like, my fans don't want to see me in the nun outfit. <laughs> I forget what the term is for those outfits. I don't know either. But, but all right, Bette Midler, come on. It's <laughs> acting. Yeah. So at this point, you know, Disney, and I promise that I'm not co-sponsored by Disney. I feel like I bring a lot of Disney films onto this. You love the Disney. <laughs> but you were uh, born in the House of Mouse. You know, Disney was already on board. They thought Bette Midler was going to be on board. Bette Midler drops out. So someone was working behind the scenes and somehow got Whoopi to come on board. And she became really excited about this opportunity. And so Paul had to rewrite the script to cater to Whoopi. And that this is actually where it gets interesting because they actually brought in a lot of people to help rewrite the script. And that includes Carrie Fisher. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh and Nancy Myers. Oh my god. Uh who doesn't uh what's her name? Love Nancy Myers on nine nine. Uh oh uh Rosa? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you love that nerd stuff. Writing things down is nerdy. What do you do? Just forget stuff like a cool person. And Robert Harling. I I don't know if I know that name. Mm. But yeah, like those three and I guess a bunch of other people came in to rewrite Whoopi's dialogue, which meant to let many like arguments among like Whoopi, all these writers and the executives at Disney. Did you um sorry, did you did you find out was there a lot of improv from Whoopi because I feel like a lot of it was like her and her voice. I think I don't know if there was a lot of improv, but I do know that like Whoopi was working with these comedians to like rework her yeah, lines. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's obvious that she would try stuff on set and I think from the little commentary I was able to find, there were like a lot of like arguments with Whoopi and the director, but like arguments that like yeah. worked out, worked themselves out. And I'm sure like, you know, having Whoopi in a movie is like when you would have like Eddie Murphy or Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell, like they're going to naturally make it their own even when other people are writing it and it's just going to seem like uh, like a Whoopi movie, you know, right. like a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. So yeah, I think no matter who's writing it, you're gonna get like the the star who like takes over every scene like that to be able to just do it in their their own way. Absolutely. So Paul, even before Whoopi came on, when he initially thought that this movie was gonna be made for Bette Midler, he actually went to a convent in rural Connecticut to like do research on nuns, <laughs> well. and, you know, to get inspiration on how he would write this movie. And so the initial inspiration came from an actual nun named Dolores Hart, who was an actress oh, and snap. decided to become a nun at a very young age. So she left Hollywood <laughs> and, and, and to become a nun. She actually played opposite Elvis Presley in King Creole. Oh, snap. And she is still to this day, one, alive, and two, is a member of the Academy. So she's... I guess, to our knowledge, the only nun who can vote for, like, for <laughs> who gets an Oscar, That's which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Did she bring, uh, like, music and fun to her church, or was that made up for the movie? I, that was made up for the movie, <laughs> yeah. He tried to talk to her and get more inspiration, but I don't think that worked out. Mm. But anyway, so Bette Midler's out, Whoopi comes on, a bunch of rewrites come about, and at that point, he just felt like it wasn't his movie. Yeah. So he asked to remove his name from it. Mm. And I read an article that he wrote for the New Yorker saying that like he he doesn't care like if it's good or bad it wasn't his work and 
as of that article in 2009, he had still not seen the movie. Oh, snap. Which, to me, kind of rubs me the wrong way, because I'm like, even if it's not your... Like, just watch them. It's a fun movie. Right? Like, yeah. are you feeling salty? Like... I don't know. I didn't get good vibes from this guy. <laughs> you met him. Like, I didn't get good vibes from this guy. His <sighs> dog was growling at him when he walked by. He was, yeah. he was a bad person. I mean, his article at least did provide some insight on the executives of that time at Disney. Uh-huh. Which, mm, not Sh- great. <laughs> yes. I mean, his article starts out with he enters the office to meet about Sister Act. And an executive comes in with like a little mermaid toy uh-huh. and is like, Isn't she hot? She's hot, right? Like I would I would do her. You would do her, right? And I'm like, oh God. Gross. Yeah, you would do this like preteen, like gross. <laughs> Disney. Hey, did you see uh, the little mermaid on TV the other night? No? Ariel, man, she's so hot. <laughs> shame, Disney, shame. <laughs> but yeah, that's the background on Paul. I guess I'll leave it at that. I I do need to mention Mark Shaman before we go into the plot. Sure. He was the music supervisor for this. Uh-huh. So he was essentially responsible for turning all the hymns into girl group songs and all uh, the girl group songs into hymns. Nice. And he did a fantastic job because I didn't know that I Will Follow Him wasn't a gospel song. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Well, they played it in the beginning of the movie first. Well, yes. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, I I think he did a great job, and he is a musical genius. He co-wrote uh, the musical version of Hairspray, nice. um, and has been involved in a bunch of other projects. He was actually even an arrangement writer on SNL. Oh, that's awesome! So yeah, I sorry, that's a lot of background. It's us. No, it's like one of your favorite movies, <laughs> one of your favorite franchises. Yeah, I just don't want to let it down. You some know, some people like Iron Man, some people like Batman. Masha likes Sister. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we could get more into all that stuff, but I think we should just jump right in and start talking about this thing. I'm totally down for that. All right. No spoilers here, because it's a nail-biter. Right at the start of this movie, I feel like we get a nice, fun taste of the musical aspect of it right off the bat. Because mm-hmm. we have that pretty long performance by Dolores and her group, which is pretty awesome. Like, it's really long, but it's also every song is fucking great. So I, I enjoy that beginning pretty much. Like pretty a lot. Yeah, the two women she's singing with in the beginning are Jennifer Lewis, who we all know. It's so crazy. Is that Will Smith's aunt? She's the grandmother in Blackish. Yeah, yeah, it's Will Smith's oh, aunt on Fresh Prince. Yes. Not not the Will Smith we know and love. It's the yeah, Will yeah, Smith yeah, yeah. character. Oh, okay, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. She would show up every, like once every season, <laughs> like you know, have an adventure with them. Diva! I need to rewatch that show, oh, it's like so from good. beginning to end. It's on one of these streamings. I can't remember. It might be like HBO, I think. Yeah, probably HBO Max. But anyway, so she sang along with Jennifer Lewis and Charlotte Crossley, who are very good friends with Mark. And he's the one who actually put them in the movie to make Whoopi feel more comfortable with singing. Yeah, so I guess before we even get into the plot, so what was the background? Because you said it was supposed to have more singing when it was about Midler. Yes. Which makes sense because she's a traditionally, she sings a lot. Mm-hmm. So how much did they change when Whoopi came on board? Like, what was her attitude about the singing? She did not want to sing. <laughs> she was like, I sing like in the shower, like I can hold a note, but like she had no intention of singing as much as she did in this movie. But Mark convinced her that, you know, she has a nice voice. Yeah. And I think by putting these awesome black women with her and making her feel comfortable, they were able to pull off what they were able to in the movie. Nice, nice. 
I always forget that they're only in the very beginning. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing. They're both in Sister Act 2, but only in the very beginning. So I just find it funny that, like, they're part of this franchise, but they never have anything to do in the movies. They're just in one scene in both times and they leave. Absolutely. And Whoopi and those ladies also got to choose what songs they sang at the top, apparently. Oh, really? Yes, because they were all, like... Motown songs that they were all familiar with, so uh-huh. they felt more comfortable, or Whoopi herself felt more comfortable singing those songs. But they all got rearranged later to be church versions, so they literally picked it before the the, the choreographer, yeah. the music composer, and everything. Came. I'm pretty sure they collaborated with Mark. That's pretty cool. And then that was a challenge for him, right? Yeah, and right. He did a great got- job. <laughs> Because even some of them, like, they changed, you know, a word or a letter to make it more about Jesus. Yep. Like, what if they picked ones that they couldn't do that? That's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, she's uh, singing in this lounge. They have this performance where, you know, they're bringing all this energy and it's really fun for us as an audience. But it always cuts back to their audience and it's just dead. Yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> they're in a casino in Reno. Yeah. Which, like, so, like, they're not even, they're, like, removed from Vegas. They're not, they're not even close to being Vegas singers. Yeah. And what I like about this opening, too, is I felt like, again, there are a lot of theater people involved because it seemed a lot like the overture of the film, you know, Bef- like we're kind of seeing like the songs that we would later hear again in yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's true. All in the beginning. That's cool. I never thought of that. Yeah, pretty much. And you don't know it at the time, but. Right. It was a nice little surprise every time they did a song later on. And I was like, oh, that's like what you sang before. <laughs> yeah. All fun times here. So they get off stage after a performance with very little people paying attention. Whoopi is complaining. She kind of wants out of this life and out of the the routine that she's currently in. Um, She has a boyfriend who's married. Yeah, yeah. Played by Harvey Keitel. I know. Harvey Keitel. (laughs) It's so funny seeing him in this, like, because it's not like a straight up kids movie, but it definitely like, you know, it skews a little sillier and like family friendly and I just know Harvey Keitel mostly from like R-rated Scorsese movies, <laughs> where he's just like a son of a bitch all the time, or Tarantino movies. Yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction's like the coolest role he's ever played. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. So yeah, it was just funny watching him in this, like doing like the the family friendly route. Because <laughs> even though he's a gangster, like he's still like I don't know, they're they're a little bit goofy. They are. I I feel like his henchmen are more goofy than he is. Like he's allowed to be like a little more like cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, his henchmen were like straight up cartoons. Like yeah. they were just like, oh, get him, boss. You know, like that kind of <laughs> why I order. <laughs> so that's really fun. You see, it seems like at the very top that he's actually trying to like leave his wife to be with her, but you know he keeps letting Whoopi down. So she's kind of over it. You know. Yeah, you could tell this has been like years in the making. He's been lying about, like, I'm going to leave my wife soon for a really long time. And this this seems like it was the last straw. But funny enough, that wasn't the only thing he was lying about. (laughs) Yeah. You talking about the the killing? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Whoopi, she's about to go break up with them. He tries to buy her off with a mink coat, but it turns out it's his wife, so she's furious. And then she goes upstairs and they're interrogating some guy and you find out they are some gangsters doing gangster shit. And they end up killing this guy, and Whoopi sees it, and then she just books it right away. Yeah, she has no idea, which is kind of hilarious. And she basically try she flees, escapes for her life at, uh, to a police station. Yeah, that whole chase scene was pretty hilarious because, like, it shows you how much music plays a part in every movie. <laughs> as soon as she takes off, and it, 
Carver Cattell's like, go bring her back here. I want to talk to her. And if she runs, he's like, take care of her. Yeah. Which is hilarious because they've been dating for years. You would so, but he's just like so flippant. But yeah, just kill her. Yeah. And then as soon as they take off, it's just playing like the silliest music of all time. It was like, you know, just. Yeah, yeah, and just like. Oh, my. I Your favorite was the, uh, the gun, right? Oh, the gun sound? Yeah. Yeah, it's that 1930s, like, just old school ass pistol sound. Uh, yeah, so. You take the music out of it. It's like this woman's running from her life while two men are chasing her, shooting l- l- bullets into live crowds. But because the music is so cartoony, you're like, oh, man, what a, what a fun time. <laughs> so I found that hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she escapes the police station. That's where we meet Bill Nunn, Radio Rahim himself. Yes. The casting process for that character was also an interesting one uh-huh. because the studio kept they didn't know if they should cast a black guy or a white guy. <laughs> what? I mean, because, stupid, but why? Because they didn't know how people would react if they cast a white guy because they were expecting more of a re- romantic relationship between those characters at the time. Him and Whoopi? Yeah. Mm, weird. I didn't get any of those vibes. I, I, I see where they tried to do it at one point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm glad that there was no like romantic relationship between those two. Because like, why? They should have got <laughs> dancing in there. <laughs> they should have had a dance number. But yeah, they... No, Ted dancing. <gasps> Ted <laughs> Not dancing, dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, they should have had a dance number. At the time when they thought that they would have like a more of a romantic relationship. Yeah. Uh, they were like, if we if we cast a white guy, how is like... South America gonna re South America, the Southern states gonna react with go. an interracial relationship. If it's a black guy, is that okay? Like, are people gonna be interested? And then at some point, apparently, an executive had proposed a Hispanic guy. Oh, they were neutral. <laughs> yeah, that's like their version <laughs> of neutral. I forget the actor's name though, but yeah. Nice. Uh, but that's ridiculous. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, great. I was shaking my head the whole time. You can tell <laughs> podcast listeners, but yeah, whatever. I know we're still having discussions like that, but at least I feel like it's not as just blatant as it was back then. Or just be like, can we do this? Blah blah blah. So, yeah. All right. Well, fuck all that. Bill Nunn's great. Yeah. Um. So not every movie needs a romantic interest. Like, so how you could ju- you could just have a movie. Like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, it doesn't always have to have a side where they meet someone, lock eyes, and then, like, slowly fall in love. Like, for cops to care about you and help you, you gotta be, like, fall in love with them. Like, what? In a movie? Oh, so this whole, the whole cop situation was pretty funny, like, the way it got laid out. Where Bill Nunn, like, at first he presents it to her like it's an option. Like, all right, here's what we... Because the whole thing is he wants her to testify against Harvey Keitel. Yes. She doesn't want to because he'll basically have her killed. So he's like, well, the court date's in a few months. How about we hide you out until then? And she's like, ah, I'm on the fence. And then he basically, like, shows her that it's a nunnery. Mm-hmm. But then at that point, she acts like like she has, like, no choice. Like, she's always like, yeah, I'm out of here. And he grabs her, and he's like, whoa, you're, like, st- you're doing this now. Uh-huh. And I just find it funny where I'm like, is she being sentenced? Or is this, like, oh. like a choice? You know, it, was, it came off as pretty funny. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, she's technically being put under witness protection. Like. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, is she being forced to be- become a witness? But they made it seem like it was... Because it did that funny movie thing where he was like, 
he was like, I'm going to hide you somewhere he'll never find. Then she's like, where? And then he just, like, smiles, and then it cuts. Yeah. And they, like, walk into the to the church, and he's like, the nunnery. And I'm like, what the fuck do you guys talk about in the whole car ride over here? <laughs> where you're like, I know. And they just sat in silence. <laughs> okay, so you're actually thinking through, like, the process in real life. Well, like, yeah, because then she's like, out. I'm out of here. And he's just like, no, no, you got to stay and do this. It was just, yeah, yeah it's, I'm, you know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm picking nits. I see. All right, that's fine. Um, but... The one thing I do like is that Bill Nunn kind of keeps it to himself where he's stashing Whoopi because apparently there's also a leak in the police station. Yeah, yeah, they got a mole. And so uh, I wonder if that, I mean, I don't know anything about real police work, but I wonder if that's normal procedure to, mm. like, I feel like you can't be the only one. Right. Yeah, that, definitely not the that only one. That happens in The Departed and then they just, mm-hmm. they kill the people and they're like, now you just don't exist. Yeah. Like they've killed Alec Baldwin and shit. Oh, Spoiler. You never come out with the spoilers. It's almost 15 years old. <laughs> almost everybody dies at some point. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Well, we discovered that this n- nunnery or this church is actually in a whole other state. <laughs> it's yeah, in San yeah. Francisco. It, I, it always made it seem like it was downtown. I mean, yeah. like, you know, we were watching it and I was just like, oh, they just took it downtown. <laughs> And yeah, it's good in the state because later Bill Nunn makes a couple trips back and forth. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, this guy's going over state lines to go fucking pop in. Yeah, is that even like, is that it's not in his jurisdiction anymore? So does he have power to do that? I like, I feel imagine. like that's not yeah. how cop stuff works. I feel like these movie writers <laughs> and us know as the same amount about how cops work. <laughs> I kind of, do. You ever get a feeling that all movie and TV writers, besides like the select few who do like real hardcore research all based our knowledge on certain jobs just based on other movies and TV yeah. shows. Yeah! So it's, like, all rooted in if the first person or whatever is that they're based on... Like, what if a on... courtroom looked nothing like what we thought a courtroom <laughs> looked like? You know what I mean? Like, you actually go to one... I know that's being facetious, yeah. but, like, that's hilarious. You what know? if they still wore wigs in the courtroom? <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> I just always think about that where I'm like, what the fuck does an architect's job even look like? I never met an architect. Like, do they... Yeah. <laughs> all right. Totally. That was a side note. <laughs> but yeah so when he you know he introduces her this is where we get introduced to maggie smith who is the head nun oh god i'm sorry i don't remember the formal words i think she was the uh the teacher of potion making okay <laughs> first of all it wasn't portion potions that was snape <laughs> who was what it, i forgot what her job was in Harry potter she was Defense of the Dark Arts. No, it's not Defense of the Dark Arts. That's what the bad guys always do. Yeah. Because they're like, I know, because they always know Dark Arts. <laughs> yeah, well, like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, in order to teach Dark Arts, you have to know Dark Arts. <laughs> Transfiguration. Ah, uh, no, but nobody knows that. Huh? Nobody remembers that. Well, we just remember that she's the headmistress. She's always the boss. Yeah. She's the headmistress at uh, of Gryffindor. She has the power to turn from a cat to a lady. Can you imagine the look and I'm gonna go space if we were late? That was bloody brilliant. Oh, thank you for that assessment, Mr. Weasley. Perhaps it would be more useful if I were to transfigure Mr. Potter and yourself into a pocket watch. That way one of you might be on time. And she's the head of the nuns at this church. At this yeah. convent. I just laugh because in the beginning when you were like you might also know her from harry potter like i'm sure she's had a pretty varied oh, career and absolutely you, you know, like, you're like nope sister act and harry potter that's what Maggie no i mean about. i didn't watch downton abbey but that would have also been oh i didn't know she was an abbeyer yeah nice. <laughs> she was an abbeyer she was a dentonian at this convent maggie smith's character is the only one that knows 
the truth. Of, yes. Yeah, that, that she's, uh, she's hiding, which I think is why she kind of always holds a little bit of a, a wary grudge. Because she doesn't want to take her in, but the police make a donation. Which I'm going to fast forward because I was cracking up. You see the donation like check later in the movie. They donated $10,000 to the church yes. to get Dolores in on this. Yeah. Which I was like, I guess he's that big of a criminal. That That's a lot of money for a police station to, to pony up. Totally. just Just to keep someone safe until the trial. Like Dolores doesn't have any like... She's got good information, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, 10 G's in 1992? Yeah, that's How a lot. How much taxpayer money is this fucking police station getting? I thought so, too. Oh, I was just, I wrote it down. I was like, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, 10 G's just for one person to do this. Ugh. The one thing that I also, I guess I never caught this when I watched this movie before, but there wasn't really a reason for Maggie Smith's character to not like Dolores besides the way she dressed and the fact that she was black. Am I reading that well? Uh, like, she didn't even say anything. She just looked at her and then she left the room and was like, absolutely not. Yeah, I think... Yeah. So I think it's there because just because she is black and that's how it like goes down. I don't know if it's, like, in the actual script reading, especially knowing that it was originally written for Bad Midler. Mm -hmm. Like, it was probably written, like, she doesn't understand her, like, youthful, you know, blasphemous ways. But, yeah, because she's Whoopi Goldberg, it did just (laughs) seem like she was, like, ain't no black nuns in my church. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so that wasn't great. Yeah, that was, like, the one thing that I was, like... (laughs) Yeah, because she doesn't do anything right off the bat. I mean, I guess she's dressed a little bit, like, Vegas showgirly. Yeah. So, like, between her jewelry and her denim clothes, she seems a little, like, rebellious. But, uh, yeah, no, it just seemed like Maggie Smith was, like, no, we're not having a black (laughs) nun. Right. I read uh, the title of this movie. It didn't say black nun. <laughs> Maggie Smith, of course, by the goodness of her heart and the wantings of the 10,000 Gs. Yeah, I think it was more the latter. Accepts <laughs> okay. to house or protect uh, Dolores until the trial date. And this is where we get to meet the other fabulous nuns at the convent. Yeah, this cast of goofy characters. I don't like this Paul guy, the writer. <laughs> But but one approach that I did like that he took was not viewing the nuns as nuns, but more as people. Yeah. So they made it a point in casting even uh, to make sure that each of the nuns were distinctive in terms of like being individuals. So you could recognize one nun from the other rather Mm -hmm. than having like them kind of be like. Yeah, yeah. All nuns. Yeah. If they were written more plainly, they would all just blend in and you just forget which one said what. Yeah, especially all being, like, white women. Yeah. (laughs) You know? But no, he made... Especially, like... I mean, there's definitely, I think, four main ones, and then the rest are a little more backgroundy, but at least the four main ones are so distinct, you would never mix up them at all. Yeah, I would even argue some of the background ones, because, you know, all of these women are also in Sister Act 2, so I recognize them, but they they all look so different. Uh Like, you have the small, like, really, really old lady. Yeah. Um, You have... The, the one who's always smiling, who plays the piano, who can't hear yeah. because her batteries are always out in her earring aid. Like, they all gave them something to do. Totally. Which was really fun. Yeah, yeah that's cool. <laughs> I can't wait to get to Best Worst because I know we both wrote that <laughs> So immediately, that's when we start getting the fish out of water kind of comedy where Dolores is kind of just clashing against the traditional ways of the church. Mm-hmm. Is the first time that happens at, at when they're eating and she doesn't like the food? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty funny. 
she almost curses at the table. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot to mention, too, at the very beginning of the movie, it starts out with baby Whoopi Goldberg, you know, obviously a young actress playing. Yeah, not baby, but like (laughs) 13 probably. Yeah, and she's in Catholic school, and that kind of roots in, you know, like Whoopi doesn't have a great, or Dolores doesn't have a great relationship with the catholic church and nuns yeah but she has a history with it so it's not even that it's like just like she doesn't like it it's like she tried it exactly and went the other way in life which i thought was great to like kind of give that character that backstory yeah it made it made her willingness to open up to the church a little bit more believable Mm -hmm. if she never had any encounter with religion her whole life and all of a sudden became like a church person yeah it would seem a little weird but it seemed like that's how she was raised Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always like there in the back of her mind because she learned it. And then, so now she was just like, it's her seeing the good side of it versus when she was a kid where she it all just looked stupid. Absolutely. Yeah. And side note, they did a great job casting that little girl. Oh, yeah. She was good. <laughs> she was so good. But yeah. She's making uh, rock and roll jokes because it was the <laughs> 60s, like Elvis and the Beatles and stuff. Yep. And to your point, too, you know, we. We know that she learned, that's how she grew up with that. So when she's asked to do the blessing before their meal, it's just a combination of different prayers plus also the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> she just didn't remember. Yeah, she didn't know any of that stuff. It was hilarious. But uh, yeah, she immediately she starts talking shit, says the food sucks. She almost curses. So she like immediately starts alienating herself from you know, yeah. reinforcing Maggie Smith's racist beliefs. But she's like, <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have let her in. <laughs> and we can't even watch movie night. She's going to talk from the back of the theater. Oh, man. They don't watch <laughs> movies? I know, I was choking. <laughs> <laughs> I was making a bad... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> so, they bring Dolores into the church, but then we get to see the current status of the church. Yeah. So, they barely... This is a huge church, and they have like 10 people coming to mass every day. And the rest of them are the nuns and the pastor or the priest. Yeah, you kind of see it's in a like a pretty rundown community. Renovations are needed everywhere. The nuns stay inside, like they're not actually even being outside with the people. Yeah, that was like creepy. Yeah, that's a that's when you start losing sympathy with Maggie Smith because you're just like you keep it, like they all live there. They're kind of like locked up. I don't know. It just seems crazy. Yeah. They're all like praying for the neighborhood constantly but they're not actually doing anything in the neighborhood to help make it yeah better. maggie smith's you know <laughs> ri- ah, shit she was racist as fuck she was like <laughs> she's like you can't go outside you'll get stabbed right away right. you know like she was just like yeah, who knows what kind of color people is out there oh man oh man maggie smith oh uh, not maggie smith maggie smith is fantastic <laughs> it's the character and she played it so well all right so guys get on twitter and say <laughs> oh, maggie smith God. is racist hashtag no. I'm joking. No way. Maggie St- Maggie Smith stands are out there and they will come after us. She's got a BAFTA. <laughs> I assume every British actor has a BAFTA. So rather than going into like all the stuff that happens, we'll just get straight to the point where Maggie Smith needs to find something to do with Dolores. And we see that the choir is absolutely awful. And I think in spite of Dolores... Maggie Smith is like, all right, you're going to join that awful choir that everyone hates listening to. <laughs> yeah. Remind me. So what happens that gets her to like the last straw? Because we see Dolores trying all the different activities at the church. Yes. And like failing at all of them, never really connecting, kind of screwing everything up. Yes. So why does she? So she starts to influence the other nuns. Oh, because they, they break out that one night. Exactly. Break out. 
So, <laughs> so she goes out to the bar and Chipper Nun and Shy Nun follow her. <laughs> okay. Sister Mary Patrick and Sister Mary Robert. Yeah. So Sister Chipper and Sister Shy uh, follow her to, okay. a, to a bar. And then she just kind of like, I feel like that's the first time she connects with them in any way. Well, yeah. Moments before that, Sister Mary Robert came into Dolores' room because Dolores from the beginning like starts shaking things up and questioning the rules and why they're yeah. doing certain things. Oh, uh, sorry. Which one's the Roberts? She's the shy one. Shy. She's the shy. And she comes into Dolores' room and offers her like an alarm clock because these nuns go to bed at 9 p.m. at night and wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> or like 5 a.m. or yeah. something. So she gives her like a cute little alarm clock and she kind of, you kind of see like she really admires how true Dolores is to herself and she kind of wants to be that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I feel like Sister Mary Robert oh. and how I feel towards Whoopi. You're Sister Shy? I'm Sister Shy. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like you're a mix of Sister Chipper and Sister Shy. <laughs> there were huge influences in my life. You're, they're the Timon and Pumbaa for you? <laughs> and, that kind of, and that kind of inspires Whoopi to just like break out and go to the bar, even yeah. though she orders a Coke at the bar. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what, like, every time there's like, like a hard edge on this movie, they just like like boil it a little bit. But, you know, just like a nice and slow, like yeah. You know, she she would have got a whiskey. She would have yeah. been like, I, I need I need a drink after totally all this. Totally straight. She breaks out for a night in the town for a coke. No way. Uh, but yeah, I thought the um, sister Chipper doing the dance at the bar was pretty fun. It was like <laughs> one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that she that woman is awesome, Kathy. Yeah. She just brings so much cheer to everything. I just was picturing before Dolores got there, like, because she was, like, a pretty good dancer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like she was doing, like, bad... I mean, it wasn't, like, a, it wasn't going to blow your mind, but it wasn't, like, bad, goofy, like, kind of awkward dance. Yeah. So where was she dancing? Like, was, was she just, like, in a room alone, like, no music? Just well, she shimmying? did say she became a nun later in life. Uh, so I think she was actually, like, dancing out I was in the trying to guess world. these women's ages. I couldn't figure it out. Uh. How, how old do you think Sister Chipper was? I feel like she was like in her late thirties, mid to late thirties. I guess I would, yeah, maybe I would have said early thirties, but yeah. Yeah. What about Sister Shy? Thirty-four. Oh, I think she was way young, like late twenties. Oh, she thinks she was like twenty-six. Yeah, cause she and I don't know why she her um, garb was different from everyone else. Yeah, she looked. She could have been Amish. Like she looked like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what she looked like. To me. I wonder if that's like how you start out, and then you have to earn the other robe. You she, know, what she I mean? was too shy to take that last step. <laughs> it's like I'm sister shy. <laughs> but yes, anyway, you know, Dolores is influencing these nuns yeah, for bad. That's so, it. sister superior, mother superior. That's what they call her. Is like okay, that's we need to give Dolores <laughs> one activity, so she's like. She has a controlled yeah. amount of nuns around her. And she has a history with singing and music, so why not put her something that she could actually improve? Yes. Then we get the comical bad singing scenes, which are awesome. The trash right off the bat, which yeah. is hilarious. Well, I love the fact that Mary Lazarus thought that Mother Superior sent her in to replace her. <laughs> I mean, she kind of did, <laughs> in a way. I don't know that she intentionally did that, but it worked out that way. Yeah, but uh, she was probably self-conscious because she's been the teaching it for so long and they never had any improvement mm-hmm. so she's probably like my days are numbered you know like yeah if you just suck at your job and you just know the bosses are noticing and you're like oh, i'm gonna get fired any day <laughs> <laughs> and what do you know she's put in leadership and 
everyone looks up to her immediately and she starts to turn this choir around. It turns it around very quickly, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, they rehearse every day. That was funny. When she so yeah, they usually do what, twice a week, she said? And then she was like, nah, we have to do this every day if we want these girls to get good. And then literally in my notes, I was like writing, I was like, is she allowed to just change their curriculum like that? And then I was like, wait a minute, they're not in school. And, I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, what is this weird nun-ass lifestyle where they have like, like who's making their like schedules? Yeah. Like, I what is this know. like? So it seems like when you become a nun, you... Did she say dedicated to a life of poverty? I don't know if she said that, but it may, if she did, she probably meant more like where you get rid of your material possessions. Yeah, you just yeah, like you wear the same clothes, you all live together, you share the food. Right. You don't. You don't get like gifts or anything. Like, you know, like all that material stuff is thrown out the window. Right. And you don't have any sex. And it's more just like the the fact. It seemed like it was like nun high school. I was almost expecting them all to go to gym class and like have to climb the rope. And, mm-hmm. You know, in one scene. Yeah. So that's what I was just like. I was like, can she just change their nun plans to be like now every week? Yeah, that definitely has to get approved by Maggie Smith's yeah. character. Well, anyway, so yeah, they start going practice every day. After that, it pretty much cuts to their first big musical scene at the church where they sing Oh Maria. Is that what they sing? Salve Regina. Oh, I didn't know what it was called. But doesn't it go, Oh Maria? Oh, sorry. Uh, you're talking about that song. Uh, yes. That, so a- they sing. The first part of that song, they sing Salve Regina, and then they sing Oh, Maria oh okay, right okay. After. Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't catch all that. Yeah. But yeah, so they bring a little funk and soul into the church. Oh, yeah. Maggie Smith is not having it. She's <laughs> just like, her face says, get this jungle music out of here. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. You said uh, Maggie Smith is more racist. I didn't say Maggie Smith. You I said. said- Mother Superior. We have to separate the character from the woman. I mean, with a name like Mother Superior, tell me that's not a white supremacist <laughs> name. <laughs> but what I do love about that performance is she still gave them like what they were doing, just a finesse version of it. And then she was like, all right, my thing now. You know, yeah, like, yeah. it was a two-part performance. And even her thing, like, it wasn't blasphemous at all. Like, the worst thing was she, like, shaked their ass a little while dancing. Yeah. But in all reality, it was pretty tame. It's, you know? it's not It's not proper. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny because, like, the breaking of tradition to her was, like, music from the 60s. It wasn't even like it was like, we're going to do hip-hop in the church. And she was like, oh, I never. <laughs> it was like music that had already been around for 30 years. And Maggie yes. Smith was like, I never heard this. Footloose. Earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the community can hear this music from outside. So the, the cool street toughs come <laughs> in and they're like, I could get, church is cool, guys. Check out this music. So th- this movie shares a little bit with the warriors and that some of the people that were coming in from the church in that scene were actual gangsters. <laughs> actual gangsters. Because they actually filmed that part of the movie in a bad town. Uh-huh. So they actually like were like, all right, you you guys want to be in a movie? And they like came in. What's crazy is that in the original script, gangsters were supposed to come from the church during that scene and rob everyone in the church, Whoa. which would have made no sense at all. Like just to further like push the fact that they're in a bad neighborhood. I, yeah, I feel like this movie's already kind of juggling like two movies at once. And that would have been three movies at once. Yeah. And I don't know about that. Yeah. So I'm glad that they didn't go that route. Apparently, the script supervisor was like, what if they just like come in and enjoy the music? And yeah. they were like, yeah, let's go with that. Because <laughs> yeah, then you'd need a whole other scene. Because then it would have to show how bad. This scene is supposed to show them 
in their first step of healing the neighborhood. Right. So if you had him get robbed, it would have just been a step backwards and you would have had to add a whole other scene yeah. where you see that the music is working. I think the fact that this movie came out to be as fantastic as it was in itself is a miracle. Like the fact that the script wasn't even done while they were shooting <laughs> yeah. is like crazy to me because it came out to be so good <laughs> like stuff like decisions like this were made on the fly yeah, yeah that's crazy i didn't even know that that's yeah. awesome i'm trying to sprinkle i'm not as good as you but <laughs> i'm i'm doing my best so now that i think of it now that we're going through it i actually don't think there is a spoiler in this movie yeah there isn't but just for the sake of our segments do you want to just call us now going into spoilers <laughs> to talk about the rest of the movie eh, might as well all right spoiler time <laughs> So Whoopi can see dead people and Swayze comes out. <laughs> wrong movie. Wrong movie. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait till Ghost. Ooh. I'm going to have to research for like five days. We're going to do Ghost and Sixth Sense back to back and do I See Dead People movies. Ooh. Yes, unfortunately, this movie kind of falls into that like trope, like a black person bringing some like... Teaching these staunchy white people how to party. <laughs> Not even party, but like about music. And, like, you, you, and loosening up. She gets the sticks at everyone's butts. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a direct quote. They're all so excited to have a black friend. Yeah. Like they're fucking amped about it. Yeah. They're going to start being like, well, my friend, by the way, she's black, told me that. <laughs> I don't think so. But like I do love like a direct quote was like boogie woogie on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> But and and oh and another weird thing I caught was one of Maggie Smith's line was the Carmelite nun, <laughs> which I never caught before. Yeah, I was like, huh? You racist, Maggie. <laughs> Mother Superior. Yeah, pretty. Uh, that's pretty fucked up. I didn't hear that. I'm not gonna. I still love this movie, no yeah. matter what. Oh yeah, no, I'm just. It's, I'm fucking around. Like, yeah. I'm not, it's still a movie that was produced by a major studio. So it's yeah. like, well, what are you gonna? Yeah, basically, outside of playing the funky music for the people, Whoopi decides that she wants to try and help the neighborhood with, you know, like her new, not power, because she's really just a nun, but <laughs> basically, like, change what they're doing to actually go outside and meet people and right. interact with the neighborhoods. Yeah, and I like that there's g actual growth for Dolores, because she 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 knew she was talented, but... In this movie, she learns that her talent can actually help other people. Like, outside of herself, yeah. she can actually, like, transform people's lives. And she's getting fulfillment for the first time. Exactly. And when we see her in the beginning, she's performing, has no audience, and even as she's leaving, she's like, you guys don't give a shit. Like, you know, like, yeah. she's just kind of, like, fed up with it all, so it gives her, like, feels good about what she's doing. Yeah. And we get the funny montage of all the nuns helping the neighborhood in the different ways, <laughs> where it's, like, it gets kind of goofier and goofier to the point where they're, like, fixing an engine. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's all feel good. I just find myself picking a lot of feel good movies. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. You like to feel good. I like to feel good. That's not nothing wrong with that. I'm going to pick something dark next week. <sighs> okay. You can even us out. So yeah, I mean, everything just goes pretty well for a little while. I mean, Maggie Smith never gets that stick out of her butt till the end. But in the beginning, she's just, I mean, she just keeps going on and on about being madder and madder about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But the nuns keep giving her credit for making these decisions that she didn't make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she definitely seemed like she was, like, losing her grip on uh, control in that place. Yeah. And then that's basically when we get the Bill Nunn call telling Dolores that they got the court date moved up. Right. So she would get, you know, her dream come true, which is to leave the nunnery 
oh no, but at that point they get the news that their performances are getting so popular that the Pope is coming to town and he wants to hear them yeah. sing. Yeah, the church is becoming so popular and it reached the Vatican. Yeah. And the Pope's coming to town. Kind of silly, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she's kind of conflicted, right? Like she, yes, one, wanted to get out at some point, but she's really pumped about this performance and actually yeah. cares about it. And actually one scene I did like is where you've learned a little bit more about Maggie Smith, where she's not just like an asshole. It's more so that she knows, knowing who Dolores really is, knows mm-hmm. that she's only here temporarily. And she knows like all this radical change that she's getting all these nuns excited about once she leaves. It's not necessarily going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I don't want you getting them all excited and hampered up because they don't normally have like outside people coming in and being their friend like this and that. Yeah. So I kind of like that her, her motivations weren't entirely just like, but Selfish. tradition, please. Right. It was more like, I know this isn't going to end well, where they're all just going to end up being like heartbroken when they find out who you are and that you leave. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I like that you like that. Yeah. It just gave the movie a little, like a little bit more like... Substance? Yeah, a little more. Yeah. For sure. A little more meat and potatoes, a little less bread. So when Bill Nunn comes to tell Whoopi this... Obviously, you try and escape. <laughs> like, why would you run away from the cop? Like, yeah, yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, that that's the one part that I'm like, oh, you didn't have to do all that. But <laughs> it, I mean, it was terrible timing because that's when Harvey Keitel's folks grab him, grab her. Yeah, oh yeah, because they saw her, they saw her on TV when the news when the news reporters were talking about how popular the church has become. Oh, that's not how they found her. That's not how Harvey Keitel found her. No. Remember, at the police station, this guy leaves receipt files with the dirty cop. Oh, yeah. And then the dirty cop finds out where, the, where they stashed Dolores, and he's the one who calls her. Ah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. So, I love how there's this whole other, like, there's a mole at this police station storyline going right? on. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is like a classic cop tale going on on the side of this, like, silly, like... That's what I kind of meant when I was saying the movie is, like, almost two movies in one, where... The cop running away from the gangster stuff and then the we have a big performance coming up are like <laughs> usually two different movies. Yes. And so when it cuts back and forth sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot that like we're doing this too. You know? <laughs> I thought she was just here forever. She's yeah. uh nun now. Exactly. <laughs> I love that the fact that you know, as soon as the nuns find out the truth, they're like, We gotta help her. Like they're just in this mentality of like helping people mode. And- yeah. I appreciated that. A lot of these movies with these kind of storylines where someone lies to a group for the whole movie, mm-hmm. they have to have that scene where, you know, everyone finds out the truth and they're mad and then they make them feel like shit and then there's a scene where everyone's moping yep. and then at the end they realize, oh, we still like you. That shit's been played out. So I was actually relieved that we didn't have to go through all that. Oh, and I think yeah. it's a stronger story choice because then you get to actually see, like, the friendship was real that they built and they were like, they understood. They were like, shit, somebody wanted to kill her. It's, right. You know, when she lied to us, we were strangers. Why? Like, it's not... That's what I also don't understand about those kind of movies where it's like, how could you lie to me? And it's like, we met three days ago, you know? Like, <laughs> like at the time, I was only worried about surviving. Right. So um, I appreciated that where we didn't have to go through all that shit where, like, the nuns were sad and sitting there and, like... Right. And I also think it is actually still in character for a nun, like, based on the ideals that they are... They vow to live by. That's a good point. You know? Like, it actually does make sense for them to just want to do the right thing that's a good point one thing though about the nuns i will say yeah 
fun behind the scenes, all the actresses hated wearing the <laughs> like oh, the nun stuff. How hot was it? It was so. I mean, they were actually in Reno, I believe, and like they were in. It was hot all the time. Oh my god! <laughs> so they like all felt so uncomfortable, and they would have to be in in their outfits for so many hours that they would actually like make a habit of playing pranks on like the bars and restaurants around them. Uh-huh. So like that bar scene was actually like kind of embodies like the stuff that they would actually do in their off time when they weren't on set. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Apparently Catherine and Wendy at one point they talked they did an interview on the view because they had like a twenty year reunion for Sister Act. Uh-huh. Which was very great for me and other Sister Act fans. But they talked about how like they were in their nun outfits and they were in their hotel room, like this really bad hotel, crappy hotel or whatever. And they order room service, but they put porn on. So <laughs> like when they, when the room service came, they were like, come in. And so they like, you know, the person just saw two nuns like watching porn. Oh, on TV. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. So they did fun stuff like that. Um, that's cool. <laughs> when they were casting the nuns, outside of the main couple ones, did they cast all people who could sing? Or, like, were they casting, like, singer actresses for all these roles? Yes. So, I know for a fact that Catherine and Wendy had to sing. Yeah. And, actually, Wendy told a story about how she, like, hired background singers to, like, be at her audition with her. And then they actually ended up, like, s- drowning her out. <laughs> but... At, at the end of the day, she ended up lip syncing. Oh, snap. So her voice you don't actually hear because she's lip syncing. Wow. It was voiced by someone else. But I do think that they, usually they do a, there's, it's very hard to like match a voice with an actress. Yeah. And I think in this movie, I didn't know until now that she was lip syncing. Wait, that was Sister Shy? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, because her whole arc is like learning how to like sing <laughs> loud and like you know not be shy obviously sister shy yeah yeah sister actually. robert for those who are confused how could you do mine is way less confusing i know yeah, yeah. the shy That's sister true. she should have a spin off sister shy <laughs> seems really natural like her hitting the high notes and all that stuff yeah so that's pretty cool right yeah and kathy that was her voice but yeah she could sing nice and i love her whole approach to like being that like crazy first soprano yeah like with the high notes and i did enjoy hearing you laugh about like during the bad versions of the choir scenes yeah they were funny they were funny (laughs) i think my favorite scene like funniest was the uh when all the nuns are hitting that guy with the Catholic guilt. Uh-huh. What, what he, wait, what is he, he, he won't let them, like, in. So when they try and go rescue Dolores after they find out that they, she's been kidnapped by Harvey Cartel. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, sorry. They guilt trip this guy, who, this pilot, who has a huge helicopter that can somehow fit 20 nuns. Oh, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> The helicopter pilot. That was like a clown car in the air. Like. Yeah, that didn't make any sense, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, they guilt trip him into getting him to fly them there for free. But I like that, yeah, like that was good, like church-based humor where, you know, like, I know they weren't Catholic per se, but still just the guilt aspect of it where it's like, it's like, oh, you know, he didn't help us in our time of need. We hope you forgive him for this. Look, I'm sorry, I've I got some things I have to check out here. Father, do not blame this young pilot for abandoning us in our hour of need. When he stands before you on the day of judgment, do not send him straight to hell. 
Please, please do not treat him with the same disregard that he's treated us. Just because he can't show charity to nuns, try not to leave him without rewards when he asks for them. We know it is easier to answer the prayers of a man who has answered the prayers of others, but if he should come to you for, for relief mm -hmm. of pain, or... Such as rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. loss of hair, neck polyps. Don't leave him bald and yowling in despair. The one thing Emilio said, too, was, you know, as a as a gay man, he did grow up Catholic. So he just felt like that layer of attachment, like he didn't have an agenda to, like, show the church in any sort of way. Yeah. But he did want to bring that trueness and ex to that experience and, like, make it fun and lighthearted so, like, anybody could watch this movie. So, like, that stuff, like, like with the fun Catholic jokes, with the guilt, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought that he did a nice job of, like, not... This e movie could easily have an agenda, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, But he just made it a movie. It's, yeah. like, an enjoyable movie for all. No, I like that, too. I like that, even though I'm not religious, I... You know, like, this movie could have easily also devolved into just, like, a, a bunch of easy jokes about the Catholic Church. Mm. It could have gone either way. It could have been very pro-Catholic, where it came off as almost, like, cheesy... Where all of a sudden nothing mattered except like promoting the views of the church. Mm -hmm. But it just kind of like, it just showed the best sides of religion. Like you said, just about being a good person, helping your neighbor. You know, all the stuff yeah. that you'd have to kind of be an asshole to argue against. Yes. And shows that aspect of why people would join the church instead of trying to get convoluted in either pro-church or anti-church. It was just, it yeah. was just the virtuous parts of religion. And on top of that, Dolores, who is not a member of any of those things. Like, she's still an independent person, but she's able to have those thoughts and ideals without being an actual member of this organization. You know what I mean? Like, you can still be a good person. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need to be in a church to do that. Mm -hmm. Then, like, you could... Everyone can get along. So let's talk about this final scene in the Vegas casino where Harvey and Dolores are reunited and the nuns try and rescue Whoopi. Yeah. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? It was fun. I mean, it was definitely a little silly. This is more to the point where I was like, where I felt like because we're watching two movies, I feel like we have two endings mm. and neither of them were like ultimately, they weren't ultimately that nerve wracking. The Harvey Keitel stuff in the casino, the visuals of the nuns running, you know, running through Reno, running across the street were hilarious, all like ganged in a casino. Yeah. So all that I liked, it was really fun to watch, but it just seemed like, from a story purpose, it was less... I was less worried about the situation and more just like, oh, where, where are the writers going to come up with it? They're going to, oh, look, she's playing the slots. That's funny. Nuns <laughs> playing slots. And then that all wrapped up, like, pretty easily. The The fact that the henchmen's not wanting to shoot the nuns was a funny gag. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of funny gags. Um, it totally worked. I guess I'll t I want to talk about this more when we wrap up, but because it had one foot in each genre, it was never either truly... Like, I was never truly nervous about the fate of Dolores with these gangsters because they were so silly. Mm -hmm. And then I was also, there was no kind of, we're good, but are we good enough to play for the Pope? Like, they were basically like, once they were good, they were the best. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't really have anything to go against that. Like, I was never worried that their performance for the Pope was not going to be the most perfect performance of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't like, oh... You know, the people who did it last year are competing against us or anything like that, you know? <laughs> the other nun convent. Is yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no verses. <laughs> uh, yeah. The um, classic Andy were the stakes. Yeah, yeah. So, Should have knew, knew that was coming. So, uh, but it was fun. It was definitely fun to watch. And after 
having the nuns outside of the helping out the neighborhood scenes always be confined to one place. It was cool to watch them break out mm. and interact with the real world and kind of have their new Dolores confidence. Yeah. So I liked it. Yeah, cool. And without that confidence, they wouldn't have the power to go all the way to Nevada and... Uh, in know, a helicopter. Yeah, in a helicopter. From wherever they are. <laughs> and among all this sin and yeah. uh, try and rescue Dolores. Yeah, basically. Like, Nevada's... Reno's like the second sinniest place after Sin City. Yeah. But I do love, yeah, like you said, the whole Harvey, Harvey himself, like his character couldn't shoot Dolores Yeah, <laughs> as a nun, exactly. uh, even though he wanted to. I think he was a little softer than he made off the whole movie, because even in the beginning, Dolores, when she's talking shit to the henchman, she's like, oh, he sent you to do his dirty work because he's mm. too chicken to do it himself. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like he always kind of just deferred to making, like bullying his people to do the dirty stuff for him. Yeah. I guess in that yeah. way, he's a little, like, cartoonish it, as a character. Yeah. They're, they're at gunpoint with Harvey Keitel and the gangsters, and then somehow, through the back of a mirror, <laughs> Bill Nunn shoots Harvey Keitel in the arm. Yes. Which I was just like, how do you see through a... Like, it wouldn't have been a two-way mirror. That wouldn't no have made way. any sense. So I was just like... Yeah, I don't know. It made for the cool, like, whoa, I didn't know he was there soon. Yeah. It's like all those stupid action movies when someone rides a motorcycle through a window to make a cool entrance. And you're like, how the fuck did you know, <laughs> like, you weren't going to land on, like, a table or, you know? Like... We don't ask questions about that. <laughs> so, yeah, we have, direct universe. we have the mirror shot so Bill Nunn could have the cool cop moment at the end. Yeah. Apparently, Bill Nunn was upset that he didn't have any fun, fun lines in this movie. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not. Although I will argue against that and say that his one line to Whoopi where she was like, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, pray. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. I will say that that's a fun line. but Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I totally agree with you, though. Like, that aim. Yeah. For that, I feel like you need at least two shots. One to break the glass and then one to shoot Harvey. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) you're not going to have the same trajectory after, even if the bullet goes through the glass. Yeah. But it would have been funny if he took him like to the neck and they were like, you killed him. And he's like, ooh, I was going for the arm. I was going for a real cool arm shot. <laughs> My bad. Uh, uh, but whatever. That happens. Yes. Uh, and yeah. he saves the day. He saves the day. And then she makes it back in time for their final performance, which is a sweet performance. Yeah. Totally past their bedtime, by the way. Like, they were definitely in Nevada for at like 10 p.m. Right? They were like, we still have a show to do. I was like, what's, what's the Pope been doing? <laughs> Fucking hanging out waiting for midnight? <laughs> She's saying no midnight mass. So Harvey, Harvey surprised Whoopi on The View yeah. for the 20th Sister Act anniversary reunion show. First of all, he admires Whoopi a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so cute. But uh, <laughs> uh, he he went on talking about Whoopi's last line to him in this movie uh-huh. and how she really was fighting against the bless you line that she oh, does. Yeah. That's a pretty good line. It's a pretty good line, but she was like, it's such, I want to say F you, you know, like that's what she wanted to do. And she was so angry about it, but she was like, okay, let me do it this way. And then they roll the cameras and she goes, bless you. So it's like putting like the F you behind it. Well, that was the whole point. Yeah. Because that was like her growth. She's no longer the type of person who says fuck you. It's common sense, but like, I feel like. So I'm wondering, like, why that argument came to, into place because it ended up being so perfect yeah. at the, in the end. Yeah, it fit her, her arc. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you have any other sprinkles before we go to best worst? I have a couple sprinkles. Sprinkle them out. I don't even know why I looked, but this movie has a 73% Rotten Tomatoes. It should have like a 98. I'll tolerate a 95. 73 is pretty good. <sighs> I'm going to look at everything that has above 73 
and like create a list about like what movies don't deserve to have higher than Sister Act. I think you shouldn't be allowed to go on Rotten Tomatoes because <laughs> I'm gonna wake up and our bedroom's gonna wall is gonna be a bunch of charts and graphs and string fucking attaching pictures. <laughs> be like, if the second Lord of the Rings <laughs> is a 92, that means it's 13. percent But we're like, all right, relax. Yeah, you're done. I'm sorry. And um, the last thing I'll just mention, too, I talked about the background of the movie, you know, Paul's research, um, what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But this movie actually had two lawsuits, one in 93, right after it came out. These people called Donna Douglas and her partner, Kurt Wilson, filed a claim against Disney and they they added Whoopi Goldberg, Bette Midler on there and just claiming that, you know, all these people, they submitted the story to them prior to them developing the film and there are all these similarities to the book that we're writing. Hmm. Um, They lost that case, but they also turned down like a $1 million settlement before that. So they didnn't get anything out of it. Uh, (laughs) So that's crazy. And then the second one was in 2011. (laughs) This nun named DeLois, DeLois Blakely in New York, she filed a lawsuit against Walt Disney and Sony Pictures, claiming that her autobiography called The Harlem Street Nun was the basis for the film. When did that come out? Hers came out in 1987. Oh, shit. So... There were a bunch of jokes online being like, she waited until 2011. Yeah. And then people being like, well, they don't have TVs in convents, so uh, maybe she didn't see it. Yeah, until- right. <laughs> she just got up to 1992 in her, in right. her DVDs. <laughs> but yeah, that case was lost as well. So just interesting. Yeah. Interesting facts. For real. That's really all I wanted to bring up. Sweet. So we can uh, head straight into best worst. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll let you go first. All right. I'm going to be Mr. Boring Pants. Huh. Best worst song performance. That's not boring. I know, but it's like, it's not, it's not like clever. Like anyone can think of that. So my right off the bat is the, the first time they're good, the Oh Maria. Mm-hmm. That one's just so much damn fun. Yes. Uh, you get, you got to, it's really long, but like in a good way, you get a taste of the kind of music like we're going to have going forward. And then even, like, individual nuns get to shine in it. You know, Sister Shy gets to sing her loud part. Sister Chipper gets to do her dances. That performance gives me goosebumps every single time. That's my That was my favorite as well. When they go, ah. Uh, <laughs> I actually like when they go, ooh, ah, 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 It's like that, like, uh, doo type, like. Yeah. Ah, ah, oh, ah. Uh, like the 60s. It, it, yeah. Oh my god, this is pre-hairspray. Makes sense. <laughs> cool. That was yeah. a good one. That was my favorite as well. Nice. And I also had the same best worst, so. Okay, I figured. And then worst-wise, as usual, this is one of those where I actually didn't think any of them were that bad. So it was kind of hard to pick a worst. If I had to pick one, it would be the second when they do the rendition of My God instead of My Guy. It's clever and I like it and it's funny, but it goes on for a long time and doesn't really change styles. They just kind of like keep giving like, you know, the verses kind of stay the same throughout the whole thing. Did you look at my laptop before this no. episode? Well, you, that was my worst. You're just piggybacking. You didn't write I'm anything. I'm not piggybacking. I wrote it down. I don't see it. <sighs> All right. Uh, but why is it your worst? Well, I, I kind of similar reasons. I don't know. It wasn't as musical as the other performances. Yeah, I agree. All right. 
But I will, I have an honorary mention for best worst performance, and that has to be like the first time we hear the nun singing on Oh, best worst. Yes. <laughs> so best worst worst performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, It's just the woman who sings offbeat of everyone else gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, that's... Singing bad is actually really hard. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I like that when good singers can believably sing bad, and when good actors can act bad, like Mm -hmm. when they're playing a bad actor in something. Yeah, that's always great. My best worst is best worst none. Oh damn! That was my other one. Not counting Dolores or Sister Miss uh, Mary Superior. All right, off the record, I have no more because that was my second one. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Wait, both of them. no, best worst none. Yeah. That was my second. Oh, that best was worst. your second best. So I don't have any more best worst. Oh. So my best, of course, is going to be the cheerful nun. Sister the Tripper. <laughs> Sister Mary Patrick. Yeah. She's just so delightful. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, maybe I've gotten like a lot of characteristics from her, like unknowingly. I tell you you're you're a mix. You're a mix. <laughs> She's just, you can't not smile when she's on the screen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, everything she does is hilarious. Oh, yeah, she's good. I she like plays her. her so well. Yeah. She's my runner-up. Ooh, runner-up. Yeah. Who's the best? My best, my favorite was the, I don't remember her name, but the one who was the original choir teacher. Oh, uh, Mary Lazarus. Mary Lazarus. <laughs> I just thought she had the funniest lines. Like <laughs> She was like, she was like older, but not like so older. She was out of touch. She was kind of like... Hanging with the young ones. Yeah. Yeah, she made me laugh the most. She was pretty real. Yeah. Like, I love how she was talking about her old convent. Yeah. Remember that? Uh-huh. And she was like, it was hell on earth. We walked around barefoot. We had no running water. It was hell on earth. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was my favorite. It was your worst? Well, I have a runner-up as well, if Ooh, we're doing runner-ups. Let's run it up. Crap, I don't remember her name. I think it's Alma. Sister Mary Alma. She's the woman who played the piano. With the hearing aid? With the hearing aid. Oh, she was the best with the smiles and the thumbs up. Yeah, she's my third runner up. <laughs> she's just so sweet. And she's even better in the second movie. Like, she just nails it every time. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love Lazarus. But if I had to pick a worse. Lazarus? Ah, she's so grumpy. You struck me. Oh, you're killing me. You do this to me all the time. All right. I don't really have a particular reason because I love her, but yeah. just because I have to pick a worse. Yeah, I was trying to pick one of the background ones because I couldn't really think of one of like our main crew. Yeah. You know, but then I was like, the background ones don't do that much to make me dislike them. So if I had to pick, it's probably Sister Shy. I do like her, but it's like a pretty like standard plot. Of just yeah. like, I'm shy. No, I'm not. But I liked her. But yeah. it's my worst. I guess we'll talk about this when we talk about Sister Act 2, but... I will just preface that I wish she had a little bit more growth in the second movie. I kind of feel like, yes, they sh- it, it's a movie about the kids, but I feel like they could have given Mary Robert more growth. Yeah, don't they just basically bring her in to, because they have a shy kid, and they bring her in to be like, look, I used to be shy, now look at me. She doesn't, actually doesn't even help out with the shy kid. She helps out more with Lauren Hill. Oh, then I don't know. I yeah, don't know. so like even that would have been... Yeah. Just to be like, you know, like, I used to be like you, but then I met Dolores, and now yes. I'm cool. Yeah, she does that with Lauren Hill and not the shy kid. Cool. So, yeah, that was my worst. I do have one more best worst. Go for it. It's not really movie-related. Oh, <laughs> or it is movie-related. Oh, God, what do you got? 
Okay, best worst whoopee film. Uh, <laughs> kind of cheating. Uh-huh. But all right, fair enough. <laughs> kind of, there's no uh, there's no winning at this game. I'm just saying, like, it's all right, all right. I'll take it. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. And it, we haven't seen all of them. Oh yeah, no, I haven't, so se- I haven't seen it, a lot of them, so it's just gonna be hard. All right, sorry. Probably have to go ghost as best. <gasps> He steals it once again. Oh, is he piggybacking? No! Just because you said it. Ugh, whatever. You don't even like it. Okay. Ha! Kidding. Kidding. I showed you Ghost. You thought it was about two people making clay. You thought the clay scene was the last scene in the movie. Yeah, it's about Ghost and Clay. They almost called it Clay Ghost and they had to rewrite it. So that's your best? <laughs> yes, it's my best. All right. Picking my best, I get it worst i mean there's a lot i haven't seen if i'm going by reputation this doesn't count because i didn't see this so it's not my true pick Mm -hmm. but from just based on seeing it theodore rex looks like the worst movie she's ever made the cover is her and a dinosaur who are cops together in a world where dinosaurs and cops live side by side so that's probably her worst but i've never seen it but out of the ones i've seen just to throw a few in the mix that Nick Cannon King of the Dance Hall movie. Oof, that's a good one. That Ninja Turtles movie wasn't that good. And Rat Race is kind of stupid. I was going to pick Rat Race. And also, I actually don't remember if it's good or not, but just to pick a worse, Bogus. Oh, I never saw that. I will never watch The Color Purple because it's just too much for me. Yeah. I, like, I've seen, like, scenes from it, and I can't even handle that. Yeah, I read the book. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's probably one of her best. I mean, she it's yeah. obviously one of her best. I love I personally and just an honorable mention thinking about putting on the cast, but Made in America. No, oh, I never with saw Ted it. Dancing. And There's dancing in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. I got it. I got uh, it. Right. My bad. I messed that up. All right. You got to be on the credits. All right, so this one's a little harder because there is a sequel that does exist that we've both seen. Yep. So it's gonna. So maybe we should set some rules about what we how we do this. I would love it if we maybe speculate. I wrote down my thoughts on Sister Act three. Oh, okay. Because since we already know that. Yeah, since we don't have Sister Act two planned, because I think that would make more sense on that episode, but it might be a while before we do that. Yeah. Or you could just speculate on additional context on the characters' lives beyond. Yeah, or just make your own Sister Act 2 that isn't the plot that yeah. we saw. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, I basically did that where I thought of a sequel that wasn't the Sister Act 2 that we saw, which lent itself more towards like a Harvey Keitel coming out of jail situation. Uh. But I, I didn't really get that far with it. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of jail except after Dolores. I guess I don't know how you would work the nunnery back in. Maybe the, she uh, has to go back. <laughs> or maybe maybe he pretends to be a priest. And sneaks into the nunnery, and bad things happen. Huh. I don't know. I didn't think this was too good. Well, what if he comes out of prison, becomes a priest, but he uses that as a cover for crime he's doing? Ooh, wait. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but what if, so he comes out, Whoopi finds out that he's out of jail. Yes. She finds out he becomes a priest. And she's like, bullshit, he's no priest, like, as a criminal. But then as she goes to investigate, everybody, like, loves him. Like, he's the best priest they ever had. With like, no, he's truly changed. And the whole movie, you don't know if he's changed or not. Yeah. So then Whoopi has to go back and join the nuns because she she thinks they're in danger because he's around them. Yeah. And then, but they're all like, no, he's different, he's changed. And she's like, you don't know this man. 
And then uh, you find out whether or not maybe he has changed, maybe he's not. Yeah, and Tune there's like in. some sort of twist. Tune in to Sister Act 2 that we haven't written. <laughs> I like it. All right, that's my... Ooh, Sister Act 2. Reborn. Or Reborn. what do you what do you call when someone's like transfer? Uh, born again. Born again. Oh, that's <laughs> <Reborn>. what it is. <laughs> I thought you were just trying to think of like a cool name. Like no. Just direct resurrection. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what I was trying to do, uh, but born again sounds yeah. way better. That's fun. All right, so what's your sister act three? I like that. Yeah. Should we enter show business? All right. So in Sister Act three, I was thinking if you're making a movie for like the modern times. No way millennials or Gen Zs, the majority of them, are going to have any interest in becoming nuns. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe in this world, convents are dying and Whoopi has to go back to help them like adjust to the new age and the new world and uh-huh. see how that comes to be. And then I, I think then it would be like a, just an interesting journey for the nuns or like that culture to get rid of some of its things, like its old ways yeah. to kind of adjust to like normal society in I, a way i like that i don't know i like that can i add Whoopi has a daughter who brings it she brings her in to help them infuse youngness mm. and then the y- daughter starts like a church tiktok channel huh? and then they do tiktok dances and become world famous that's fun and then that's how they that's how they modernize it cool yeah that's it's it. not that very exciting it's not one of my best beyonds but yeah. whatever as that, long as there's music involved. Yeah. That or, you know, you go the, the route where she's a teacher at a fucking school and has students. And... Yeah. Well, that was the hard part because I was like, do I want to combine, like, all the characters that have been in this franchise? But I was like, no, that's too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> what if Frank A has a, is a lawyer? And... <laughs> all right. Well. Uh, cool. So after all that, Andy's so tired about me talking about Sister Act. Like, I could see it in his eyes. I'm like, what's the big whoop? I'm like, checking the phone. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) So I have one question. What's the big whoopee? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Do you love what I love? I love it. I hate answering this question because I feel like it's always this big buildup, and I never know if I should just say it right away or like pre try to preamble. But then I feel like you're just gonna spend the time trying to guess what I'm gonna say. <laughs> so I like this movie a lot. I think it's a very good, like you said, feel good movie. It's it's like fun to watch. You know what I mean? Like you know, Whoopi has a star power that's kind of hard to deny, especially during this time period. Like she just kind of commands the scene every time she's in it. It pretty much you know nailed everything. Like in terms of the the nuns having their own personalities the music is really well made it works they have a good cast and everything like that when it comes down to the all-important question though i don't think i can say i fully love this movie uh (laughs) i'm sorry um when i really think about it i think i kind of just enjoy the musical parts the best and while yes there are some funny scenes Nothing about it was, like, so hysterical where I was like, oh, that was brilliant. Like, it was more just like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, that kind of humor. But the music's really fun. I could definitely see myself envisioning that. But I think my biggest problem just is back to what I said before, where I do feel like it's almost two movies, plot lines going on at the same time. And because of that, you can never fully service it. Like, if it was truly going to be a movie about singing, and that was, like, a hardship they had to come over, it was just too easy of a plot line. Like, they were bad, and then they got good, and then they were really good, and then they 
stayed really good. Mm-hmm. And then the stuff with Harvey Keitel is kind of interesting in the beginning, kind of goes away for most of the movie. And then at the very end, it's like there for this big chase scene with a lot of shenanigans. So I feel like I had one leg in each door. So we'll obviously get into it when we go into it more. But having seen both of them semi-recently now, this actually did make me like Sister Act 2 more because it cuts out the fat of all the setup. You don't need this gangster and this killing and all this witness protection to get her there. It's just like, it's it's not a complicated story at all, but mm. it's focused. It's just, we have this group of kids, they're mis- misleading, but they have talent. Very simple. It's pretty much every sports movie. You just take <laughs> out sports for singing. Yeah. But at least it's like devoted to that idea. And because this was a little bit more scattered and it's funny, but for just, I personally didn't find it hilarious. I just found it funny. I like it. I think it's fun. You can put it on and I will watch it with you. But uh, no, I don't love it. Whoa. I don't know why I'm, I'm taking it so personal. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I appreciate everything you said. I totally get it. I think I just, there are so many factors that make me love this movie that I just oh, yeah, can't totally. help but love it. Um, but I totally understand. I, I, I feel like we're on the opposite ends of like Days of the Confused where, <laughs> yeah. you know, you were like, I like it. It's definitely cool. I totally get it. This and that. It's just not, it doesn't click 100% with me. And that's how I feel with this a little bit. Yeah. And I kind of relate with you too on the fact that Sister Act 1 makes you appreciate Sister Act 2 more because... I feel the same way. Like, I I love both films, but I definitely, like, if I had to live with one or the other, like, it would be Sister Act 2, without a doubt. Yeah. But I do appreciate Sister Act 1 because it provides all that background story for Whoopi. Like, I feel like if Sister Act 2 were a standalone without all that background of Whoopi with these nuns in the first movie, it wouldn't be as strong. You know what I mean? Like, random black friend that you call to help you out. Like, it just wouldn't have that same... Yeah. Feeling. But yeah, I totally I, I understand that. I, I, I accept that. Yeah. <laughs> so but I appreciate that you you like the music parts and whoopee and all that. Oh yeah. Like it's it's cap it's definitely fun for mm-hmm. sure. It's just not like a full on movie that I love. It's more just like like if you wanna watch the O Maria dance sequence, I'll watch that all the time on YouTube, you know what yeah. I mean? Um but yeah, but I dig it. Cool. Dig it, don't love it. Oh. Well, let's end on digging. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dig it up. Oh, oh. Dig. Love it up. Oh, oh. Oh. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at Love What I Love Podcast or LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love.